Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's November 30th, 1803. And another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by... Aria, Rebecca, and Ali. The Retrospectors. It was today in history in 1803 that a surgeon called Francisco Javier de Balmis left the Spanish port of La Coruña at the head of the world's first ever international public health expedition, a ship bound for the New World supplied with smallpox vaccines. But the vaccines weren't in syringes or in vials. They were inside the 22 orphans who were on the ship with him. <laughs> and if you're thinking transporting vaccines inside orphan children sounds like something we wouldn't do now, you'd be right. Uh, this practice was outlawed at the end of the 19th century. Yet, you have to acknowledge the incredible success of this mission. 300,000 people from all over the world were helped by this. Sometimes, probably not voluntarily, so helped is <laughs> maybe not the word that you'd use from their point of view. Um, but... They didn't get smallpox as a result of these vaccinations, which is an incredible success story. Yeah, it's credited as being at least part of the reason why we don't have smallpox today. But basically the plan was just to sort of tease out what Rebecca has said in slightly finer detail. So the vaccine survived for only 12 days once it had been put into a person's bloodstream. And so the the idea was that you'd infect two children, two of these orphan children, every 10 days with the uh, version of smallpox that was going to protect them, and then take the serum from the pustules of the people who had previously been infected, and then put that serum in two new children, and so on until they arrived at their destination with fresh serum to be able to vaccinate the good people of the new world. Yeah, and well, at this point, people were no longer being inoculated with actual smallpox. So the original version, tested as far back as 1500s in China and India, was to use smallpox scabs to infect other people. So the way they did it in China, they would get children to inhale crushed up smallpox scabs. There was a slightly more poetic version that was done in Sudan that involved tying a cloth around the infected child's arm and then you would take that cloth and tie it around your own child's arm. But, you know, it was a pretty gross way of doing it and it was obviously difficult to control because you couldn't be 100% sure that people would only get a mild version of smallpox. Obviously, it all changed with Edward Jenner in 1796. He famously proved that exposure to cowpox, which is a much milder disease, had the same effect in giving immunity to smallpox. He did actually come up with a way to transport these vaccinations that did not involve orphan children. You could soak... It's a bit disgusting, but you could soak pieces of thread in the pus that was coming out of the pustules, dry them out, and then sort of send them in the post. And this proved oh, to be man. important. Take me, back, take me back to inhaling scabs. That's infinitely yeah, well, preferable. Well, they would, when it got to you, the lucky recipient of the vaccine, they would wet the pus-filled thread, and then oh, they would man. put a cut in your arm, and they'd put the pussy thread in it. I mean, look, but- this sounds nasty, but you have to remember that if you were anti-pus, you know, you didn't want smallpox. This is true. Smallpox 
was hideous. Every inch of people's skin, including their face, would erupt with thousands and thousands of painful, pus-filled sores. And it was so incredibly widespread that this is the reason that children were needed to carry this, because basically, if you were an adult, you had either died of smallpox or you were immune to smallpox from either being exposed to it and surviving, or if you were lucky, having a natural immunity. So this is why you had to pick children. And of course, the reason they had to pick orphans because nobody particularly cared about them. So 22 boys between the ages of three and ten. And they were accompanied by Isabel de Zendela y Gomez, who was the supervisor of the La Coruña Orphanage. She was the only woman on board, and one of the boys was her son, nine-year-old Benito, who, as far as we know, is the only one who ever returned to Spain. But none of them died from being infected with smallpox. I mean, there were other problems. For example, by infecting with smallpox deliberately, you did cause the spread of leprosy and syphilis and hepatitis. So it wasn't all roses. But, details, details. <laughs> <laughs> what it did in, <laughs> offer to them was a, an opportunity at life in another country where people didn't care they were orphans. So actually, you know, leaving from Madrid and getting a new life in Acapulco or the Philippines was an opportunity to be actually a bit of a saviour. Like, you were, when they arrived with the boys, they had them all in uniform. That was on insistence of uh, yeah. de Balmes, who said, we need to turn up looking like we're there to help and we're officials. And that included the orphan kids who would march through with a marching band the town when they came to do the vaccinations. And they got very used to people being quite pleased to see them. For example, when they arrived in Quito in present-day Ecuador, they were greeted with a bullfight as well as masked balls and fireworks and three consecutive nights of parties. You know, this was really cause for celebration, probably in part by their own design because they wanted the sort of adulation that came with this first ever sort of public health mission, as it's now referred to. And they got so used to being received in this way that by the time they arrived in Chile on November 1806 they were kind of disappointed by the fact that the vaccine had already got to Chile before they had because it had arrived from Buenos Aires because obviously they were no longer the sole people like dealing in this stuff and so they were just a bit disappointed that their thunder had been so stolen. Well this was a bit of a recurring theme actually because when they first arrived in the new world they landed at San Juan in Puerto Rico and there was the flags flying all guns blazing, ready to bring this wonderful vaccine to the people of the new world. And there was an unexpected twist, which was that the chief surgeon at San Juan's hospital, a guy called Francisco Oyer Ferrer, had already begun a massive smallpox vaccination drive and he'd vaccinated thousands of people what using a vaccines. Total bastard. I know. <laughs> Come on, just hold off. Let some yeah. more of those kids linger and die because I hear there's this big ship coming that's going to be pretty special. Have you seen what we've special. done with this human centipede of ch- child smallpox victim? <laughs> <laughs> well, there was also there was also a kind of Cold War, I guess, between the different colonial interests too, right? So these were Spanish, and this was being done on the instruction of uh, King Carlos IV because his daughter had died of smallpox. He'd been persuaded to fund this vaccine expedition kind of philanthropically, but also because it's the new world belonging to Spain and he wants them to think, look look what the mainland are doing over in Europe. We're going to bring you the benefits of the West. It's worth being in our empire. The Brits wanted to do that too, you know. Uh, Jenner was English, obviously, who invented the thing and 
the British Empire wanted to bring it to the Caribbean. So you had rival groups trying to export it to the colonies. Yeah, Mm. and in this case, Puerto Rico had got the vaccine from the neighbouring island of St Thomas, which is now part of the US Virgin Islands, but then was a colony of Denmark. And they had originally got it through the pussy thread method. So it did actually work. The fear was that the threads wouldn't work over such a long distance. And obviously, if none of them worked when they got to... America, that would have been quite a disappointing end, which is why they went with the orphans. But they actually had worked fine. And that's why everyone in Puerto Rico was actually being vaccinated already, which was a problem, obviously not just because it was a huge disappointment for De Balmis and his expedition, but also because they needed to keep vaccinating people to keep the vaccine alive. alive. Yeah. yeah, and they were scrabbling to find people in Puerto Rico to actually vaccinate. And he, I mean, I've got to say, they'd been at sea for a couple of months and obviously there'd been a lot of build-up. De Balmis did not act in a great, you know, his reaction wasn't gracious at all. He was furious. He accused Dr. Oyer of using slapdash methods. He castigated him for pausing the vaccination drive, which he only did out of respect for the expedition. He was like, oh no, here they come. Let's kind of pretend that we haven't been doing it already. <laughs> but then that just made De Balmis even more angry. He was like, why have you stopped vaccinating people and he was like because i was scared to react like this yeah, imagine imagine being the kids of the equation though turning up having had that done to you and being like oh okay so the the pus postman has already been has he <laughs> <laughs> but actually the fact that so many people had been vaccinated i mean some of them as i hinted at earlier actually forcibly so you know you had some indigenous people who were grateful and some who weren't to get the vaccine but obviously in the long run it was good for their survival But the fact that so many people had been vaccinated did speak to the fact that mostly the kind of advanced propaganda party had worked. And that was part of the reason that de Balmis was selected as director of the expedition. He had written a translation of a book about vaccinations in Spain. Thousands of copies of this were distributed in advance to prepare the people in the places they were going to for what was coming because they thought people might be really, really suspicious of this. And in fact, the whole project was the brainchild of Dr. Jose Flores, who was a Guatemalan. And in his plan, he hadn't come up with the... um, children on board yet he thought that there'd be cows on board with cowpox that makes more sense to me (laughs) (laughs) he said that the clergy should be administering the vaccine partly because they'd be a safe pair of hands and you know we can trust the clergy over there to do what we want them to do but also because that would be part of the propaganda exercise this is a gift from god take it from me you know, there's nothing to be worried about. Well, in the end, it's very much Balmus whose name uh, is associated with the whole mission, even if it obviously involved many more people than him. So much so that in 2020, uh, when the Madrid government dispatched 2,500 soldiers to disinfect the whole of like the Madrid region's care homes of COVID, they dubbed it Operation Balmus. So that name is still kind of associated Ooh, with the idea of trying weird, to... That's weird, isn't it? When it does summon up the idea that you'd be sending an orphan child into a yeah. care home riddled with COVID. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I guess people didn't look at the history too carefully. <laughs> Tomorrow. And Nicholson said, well, we never promised to supply you with unharmful acid. Ditch the ads and get a Sunday episode when you join Club Retrospectors. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts. Part of the ACAST Creator Network.